I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that shushes down the slopes of history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're looking at the story of Yuichiro Mura, a daring Japanese mountaineer who rode down the world's tallest mountain on a pair of skis. The day was May 6, 1970. Professional skier Yuichiro Mura became the first person to ski down Mount Everest. It wasn't as smooth a ride as he had hoped for. He wound up falling approximately 1,300 feet. But he did survive the run, and that was something that many people assumed wouldn't happen, including the skier himself. Yuichiro Mura was born on October 12, 1932, in Aomori City, Japan. His father, an acclaimed skiing pioneer named Kaizo Mura, introduced him to the sport as a child. He took to it right away and later became a professional skier, competing in both downhill skiing and speed skiing. It was in the latter sport that he first made a name for himself. In 1964, he set a world record when he reached the blistering speed of 172 kilometers, or about 107 miles, per hour. Yuichiro was pleased with the record, but he knew it wouldn't last. It was just a matter of time until someone managed to go faster than he did. Still, he probably thought his record would stand for longer than one day, but it didn't. 
the following afternoon, someone broke the world speed record again. And it was at that moment that Yuichiro decided chasing speed records wasn't his thing. Instead, he decided to focus on skiing the most magnificent summits in the world. He started in his own backyard with Mount Fuji in April of 1966. No one had ever skied the mountain before, and Yuichiro knew that if he was to be the first, he would need to take some precautions. Going 100 miles an hour down a dedicated ski slope is one thing, but going that fast down a steep, rocky mountainside was a much more dangerous prospect. To help control his speed, Yuichiro decided to wear a parachute that he could deploy when he reached his top speed. His idea was untested at the time, but thankfully it worked, and Yuichiro was able to slow down after reaching a speed of about 93 miles per hour. His landmark run on Mount Fuji was just as fulfilling an experience as the skier had hoped. He later reflected on that turn in his career, writing, quote, It seems to me that greater than the satisfaction of winning in competition is the joy of forgetting yourself and becoming one with the mountains. Of course, there was also likely some satisfaction in knowing that this other kind of record couldn't be broken. No matter how many people took on the same challenge later, Yuichiro would always be the first person to ski down Mount Fuji, and eventually down the highest mountain in the world, too. It was after conquering Fuji that Yuichiro was invited to New Zealand to ski the famous Tasman Glacier. The country's tourism bureau thought the feat would make for great publicity. Yuichiro accepted the invitation, and while he was there, he was introduced to Sir Edmund Hillary, the climber who had made history in 1953 by becoming the first person, along with his partner, to ever reach the summit of Mount Everest. Yuichiro was inspired by the meeting and determined to make Everest the goal of his career as well. Hillary reportedly thought the skier was out of his mind when he first heard his plan, but the Nepalese government was much more receptive to the idea of someone skiing down Everest. There was one condition, though. Yuichiro wouldn't be permitted to ski down the summit of Mount Everest. Instead, he could only ski the South Kal, the somewhat lower mountain pass that connects the world's tallest mountain to the world's fourth tallest. This would put the skier's starting point at about 3,000 vertical feet short of Everest's peak. But with a slope of roughly 40 degrees, the South Call was still a more than formidable challenge. So formidable, in fact, that as Yuichiro scouted the area and conducted test runs in the fall of 1969, it dawned on him that there was a high chance he wouldn't survive the run. The skier determined that accepting death as a likely possibility was a requirement for what he was attempting. So he made peace with his own mortality and began making his way up the mountain in February of 1970. His expedition was a massive undertaking, consisting of mountaineers, scientists, and a ski team. The mission was made even more complicated by the inclusion of a film crew, photographers, and members of the media. In fact, it took 800 porters just to haul the group's 27 tons of equipment to the Everest base camp. After they arrived in late March, the team spent several weeks at base camp acclimatizing to the thin air and planning the last leg of their journey. 
Sadly, even with all that preparation, the expedition still had casualties. At higher than 17,000 feet, the oxygen content in the air was about half the amount found at sea level. Two members of the team died from heart attacks in that thin air, and six Sherpas were buried in a cave-in on the Kumbu Icefall. After their bodies were recovered, Yuichiro declared, quote, There can be no happy ending now, no matter what I do. The skier had accepted the likelihood of his own death, but not that of so many of his supporters. He later said that he had considered calling off the expedition then and there, but ultimately changed his mind because, quote, to pay back the respect to them, I felt it was my responsibility to face the challenge and complete it. At around 9 a.m. on May 6th, that's just what Yuichiro did when he became the first person to ski at an altitude higher than 26,000 feet. Technically, he set that record just by making a few practice turns on the slopes of South Kal. But of course, after coming all that way, he had a much longer run in mind. By 11 a.m., he had hiked up to his starting point, but the run had to be delayed two hours due to high winds. Finally, at 1.07 p.m., the 37-year-old skier got the green light, and away he went. Knowing his life was on the line, Yuichiro had donned a crash helmet, an oxygen mask, an air-cushioned life jacket, and his trusty parachute. By the end of his 2-minute and 20-second run, he would be thankful for each and every item. The plan had been to ski in a straight line, but once his chute was deployed, that became impossible. Erratic crosswinds sent him careening in all directions, and he quickly lost his balance. In an instant, he was flipping and turning wildly down the mountain and was eventually launched 30 feet into the air after flying off the edge of a large rock. Luckily, he happened to land on a patch of snow, and although he blacked out on impact, he slowly slid to a stop, just a couple hundred feet short of falling into the largest crevasse in the world. It had taken Yuichiro just over two minutes to descend approximately 4,200 vertical feet, but as you might expect, the ordeal felt much longer in the skier's head. In 2010, he recounted his surprisingly zen-like thoughts to Smithsonian Magazine, saying, quote, I was 99% sure I would not survive. Death was not a particular feeling, but rather I was thinking about what I would be after 3,000, 30,000, or 3 million years in the future. My reincarnation. He also recalled thinking, quote, Am I live or dead? Which world am I in? After about a minute, I realized that I am alive. I felt that I returned to this world in the form of a human, as Yuichiro Mura, like the soul returning to the body. That particular journey was something only he got to experience, but because a camera crew had filmed the entire trip up and down the mountain, people around the world got to witness the adventure themselves. The footage was released as a 1975 documentary called The Man Who Skied Down Everest. It won the Academy Award for Best Documentary that year, becoming the first sports film in history to do so. By that point, Yuichiro had built quite a legacy for himself, but he didn't stop at Everest. In 1981, he skied down Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, 
and in 1983, he became the first person to ski Mount Vinson in Antarctica. Two years later, he added to his tally Mount Elbrus in Europe and Mount Akangawa in South America. Taken together with his earlier runs on Mount Kosciuszko in Australia, Mount McKinley in North America, and of course Mount Everest in Asia, Yuichiro had skied down the highest peaks of all seven continents. For a while, he considered that enough adventure for one lifetime. But then, in the late 1990s, he decided he wasn't done with Mount Everest yet. He never got the chance to ski the mountain summit, but he did climb up to it on May 22, 2003. He was almost 71 years old, making him the oldest person to reach the summit at that time. Five years later, he made the trek again. And then five years after that, he reached the summit a third time. He may just be showing off at this point, but Yuichiro Mura actually plans to scale Everest for a fourth time once he turns 90 years old in October of 2022. You may be wondering why someone would subject themselves to that kind of grueling challenge in their golden years, but I think the challenge itself is the whole point. As Sir Edmund Hillary famously said, it's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.